Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. As far as I'm aware, I'm just in quite a bit of pain and there's someone rummaging around my vag, which hasn't happened for an awfully long time. Hello and welcome back to Test Tube Baby. I'm so sorry we missed an episode last week. I think life just got a little bit, um, got a bit hectic, didn't it? My, your mum came to visit, my parents came to visit and we just lost track of time. I mean, we are 30 whatever it was at the time, weeks pregnant. It's not like we had a decent excuse for not putting an episode up. Yeah, but I just, I still feel the guilt. I feel the lack of podcast guilt. So I'm sorry. Okay, I'm just sorry. Um, If you are new to the podcast, though, thank you so much for joining along. You won't have noticed that there was an absence because you'll be listening retrospectively. So it'll be fine. Is this episode 39 or 40 or something? 39 weeks. But we, we, we missed a few weeks and we did a couple where we... We're recording multiple episodes. I don't... And we started earlier than I've... I, Can you tell look. that let we've lost track look. of all yeah, things? Yeah, completely. I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> uh, so, okay. This right here is episode 37. Is it? Oh, yeah. okay. Well, that's not so bad. If it's episode 37... Oh, I was going to say... But that doesn't count. Or does it count? No, it doesn't count. What I was going to say is, oh, well, if it's 37, we've only missed two episodes because we're 39 weeks. However, that has not taken into account that we did two months worth of like IVF yeah. uh, content. Never mind, moving swiftly on. Uh, if you are an OG test tube baby listener and you've put up with the absences, thank you so much. You are a legend. Uh, now make sure you share us, tag us in your Instagram stories. I've seen quite a few of those actually over the last week and it makes me so happy. So yeah, thank you so much. Um, and if you think that somebody you know might enjoy the podcast even if they're not like trying to conceive right now um i actually had someone message me who i think she's like i didn't do ivf and i don't have endometriosis but i just think you guys are hilarious i was like thank you that's so lovely you make me so happy um so yeah if you can think of anybody who might enjoy the podcast and send it their way my name is miranda burns and over there i actually can't think of anything to use to describe him uh is tristan hall that's not to say that you're a beige individual because that that makes you sound really boring but it's just that well a lot has happened in the last week but simultaneously nothing has happened in the last week a lot's happened to you yeah not not a lot to me oh that's a shame i've had a very it's a quiet week it's not been a quiet week at all but i feel like i've just not accomplished anything of worth of, of note so i'm just gonna sit back relax and let you Take it away with your shit, because you're far more interesting than I am. <laughs> My shit? You mean your future child? That's the one. Um, now, if you're new to our podcast family, and test you, baby, we're chatting through all things IVF and our current pregnancy, which, as it stands, is at 39 weeks. What? That's terrifying, isn't it? I mean, it's also it's unbelievably exciting, but it is also low-key terrifying. But, you know, a few weeks ago, we were talking about due dates and stuff, mm. and we say to people, oh, I'm... I don't know, 35 weeks, and they're like, oh, close. And then you tell them that it's the 6th of December that we're due. They go, oh, it's miles away. 
I'm still in the mentality that the 6th of December is miles away. It's not. It's a week away. It's seven days. Mad. Oh my God. Now in true Tristan and Miranda style, there'll be a whole lot of tangents, more than one euphemism, and inevitably we will expose and embarrass ourselves. Actually, I think that was quite a good introduction because I don't think that we have yet exposed and embarrassed ourselves. Usually we do in the first 30 seconds. We do. Yeah, well, that's because I've done nothing and the stuff that you've been doing, you're not even started talking about yet. So maybe we will. I'm sure there'll be some details. There's a lot of TMI in this one, isn't there? Oh yeah, there is. (laughs) This is a heavy TMI episode. (laughs) You have been warned. Well, actually, what this episode is, um, I'm titling it, I don't know what Tris, the producer of the podcast, will call it, but I'm calling it 39 Weeks, When Is She Coming? Or indeed, Where the Hell Is She? (laughs) That's my, um, that's my thesis. I was going to say statement. It's not anything. Are you okay? No, I don't know what's happened. I think I'm really heavily pregnant. You've had a week away from being on air and all of a sudden you've just <laughs> lost the ability to present. Oh, well, that's the thing. I'm on maternity leave. It's so weird. It's so strange, like not doing a radio show each day. It's all the all the days, all the hours, they just blur into one. It's basically the only way I can differentiate is, is Tristan upstairs working or is he downstairs keeping me company? Because otherwise I'm just floating about the house twiddling my thumbs. Yeah, yeah. And and also meals kind of merge into one because yes. you're not breaking your meals up with anything. Like you will just have a, a brunch and then you have like an afternoon snack because you don't have like, oh, okay, this is before work, yeah. so I eat my breakfast. I am on my lunch, so I eat my lunch, evening meal. You're just going off what I do and I, I kind of just follow what you do. So to be honest. Grazer. You're like a little sheep. You just graze and pick. Yeah. You're, you're very bad at eating three meals a day. But I probably do eat the right amount of calories. You just eat it all at 10pm before you go to bed. Well, a lot of it at 10pm before I go to bed, yeah. <laughs> Which is not healthy. A packet of chocolate buttons here and there. <laughs> maybe a little chocolate trifle. There's a recurring theme here of chocolate, hot chocolate, uh, yeah, Hot chocolate. I love yeah. hot chocolate before bed. Oh, what a treat. Anyway, so yeah, today's episode, um, we're going to run through everything that has happened in the last week. So obviously we've already admitted to you that we missed an episode and we do apologise. Um, but I want to explain everything that happened during our 38th week of the pregnancy. So you're listening, we're 39 weeks, but a lot has happened in the last like seven or so days and we need to fill you in. So everything that we're about to talk about, uh, imagine it like we're talking about it retrospectively, like it, it's it's just happened in the last week. And I guess the first thing to mention, which we've already touched upon, is isolation and maternity leave. I'm on maternity leave, which means that we are currently trying to isolate as best as we can because we do not want either of us to get COVID before we go into labour. Exactly. Well, the main problem with that, obviously, is if you get COVID, labour can be a bit more difficult. And I can imagine having had COVID, that oh. having an issue with your lungs and when you're trying to do breathing and all that stuff is going to be difficult. It also means that if you get covid you're put in a room and isolated on your own yeah obviously you get medical professionals but they are in like full covid ward ppe which so is not going to be good for making me feel chilled and relaxed exactly. and happy if i get covid i'm not even allowed there screw that so like if i test positive when we arrive at hospital because i do a covid test then if i test positive i'm sent home God. which is it sounds like the most horrendous thing can you imagine being like literally at oh the doors God. of the labor ward or even even at that point in your room and they've done the test and then they come back 50 minutes later and like we're really sorry trust like you need to leave i don't think it's 50 it's, a, it's a, like a proper pcr isn't oh, it? Is it is it quick well it can't be a lateral flow can it because a lateral flow you i mean the hospitals won't do that it's like when you're an inpatient like if you arrive and they're booking you in for cesarean in two three days time they test you for covid there and then and i think then you have to isolate so mm. it is yeah, I mean, it's horrible to think about it. Luckily for us, we've been able to be quite careful. Um, so 
working from home. Yeah. Oh my gosh, we're so fortunate. Amazing. Yeah. And also the fact that you know, I, I if I am not working from home, like I said to work this week, that I don't want to go and do any in person jobs, and they were absolutely fine with it. Yeah. They've accommodated for it. They've got other people in to do work that needs to be done in person, and I've just been able to hunker down, stay here. We've done walks every day, but we've masked up during walks yeah. and. We've kind of gone on routes that aren't very busy and at times aren't really busy. I did Tesco once at like midnight. Yeah, it was really late, <laughs> um, wasn't it? And I stayed in the car. And I wore two masks <laughs> and I sanitised the shit out of myself. So we've been incredibly careful and I think we're what now? We must be We must be seven days into isolation now. Yeah, m- yeah, yeah, actually. touch all the wood, but, you know, we're feeling okay and... You've been doing so many lateral flows. I've done like flows. a lateral flow every single because I'm worried no, about no, it. Like, no, I know it's so I, natural. And this is something I want to talk about because of all the things to be worried about with pregnancy or with labour. Sorry, the one thing that's concerning me most is what would happen if one of us tested positive for COVID. Oh, I know, which is really it's a really which sad, is so reality. sad Although it is kind of taking my mind off oh. <laughs> everything else. But you know, it's right though. Like, I, I, I don't feel. 100% settled and comfortable. I'm I'm quite anxious about the fact that one of us might test positive. Um and so yeah, I'm doing like lateral flows every day. I've got a PCR coming. I've got one too. So, you want one for both of us. And that that is for me like I think I'll be happier once that's come back negative if we get to that point because she might be born before then anyway. But True. Just the knowledge that if they do a PCR in hospital if we've had one at home that's been negative, the one in hospital should be negative as well. Yeah, fingers crossed. Actually, mentioning hospitals, that's one of the instances where we have gone out together. Obviously, Patrice mentioned walks and the little the little midnight dash to Tesco. Um, but yeah, we had, uh, it was, so it was a week ago today, if you're listening, we had a final growth scan, most likely. I, d- I doubt we'll be having another one. Um, and we also had a consultant appointment. Now, on the growth scan, and I'm just going to preface this by saying I know that they are inaccurate i think there's apparently like a 20 percent inaccuracy margin when it comes to growth scans so first off if you've had a growth scan and the person who's measuring um your little one is like "Mm, yeah sorry you look like x amount out please don't panic don't like run to like terrible conclusions most likely if you have had a different sonographer measure you they would have come up with a different result so yeah don't worry about that too much um but the growth scan and the bump measurements which they do with this weird little paper tape don't they 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 measure you from what is it your pubic bone to the top of your womb or under your ribs top of your bump yeah they are if, if you've not had one done before and you're trying to work out what Miranda's talking about when you're in Ikea and they have the tape measures that are hung up that you can pull yes. off, it is literally one of those. Yeah, yeah. Like, th- there is no other way to describe it other than an Ikea tape measure that they use to just to, just to like measure the size of your bump on the outside. Which comes with some error, though, because yeah. you might be slightly larger. You might... I might have a full tummy. Yeah, there also, there's placenta in there, there's fluid, there's a lot of stuff to account for. Yeah. Scans are more accurate, but even scans have that 20% give or take. Yes, it could be one way, it could be the other. So yeah, pinch of salt to be taken with any scan you have in terms of size. Now bearing that in mind, Squidge is apparently weighing, according to said growth scan, eight pounds five. That was as of 38 weeks, currently 39 weeks. One can assume she's probably put on a little bit more weight and she may be pushing more like nine pounds now yeah. apparently that that's the trajectory that we're on the consultant that we saw said i predict that your baby will be about a nine pound baby so she's not small she's also not predicted to be an 11 pound baby and so with this margin of kind of i don't know error 
I'm not that worried. I mean, are you worried that she's going to be too big? It's not. I mean, it's not your vagina that you're pushing out. No, it's not, baby. So. You're right. I mean, for me, I am of the opinion that a bigger, bigger is better than smaller, right? Because healthy, you know, exactly. And, and Robust. That's, that's the one. That's what the hospital say, isn't it? When yeah. they talk to them about it, they're like, "I am happy with the size of your baby. We'd rather she be growing in the trajectory she is right now than slowing down her growth and being a smaller baby." You're like dipping. And if you look at our graph that we've got, she genuinely has followed a perfect line from like whenever they started measuring her. Do you know what she's like? You know Air Force One when they take off like really quickly and they go up really high, really fast yeah. to get off, to get the present off the ground. That's what Squidge's line looks like. It's like she was just poking along and she goes, Pew! and now she's really high in the sky. Because she's, you know, she's growing well and she's, getting, you know, looking after her. A so growing gal, my placenta's working. Bringing it back to IVF as well. I don't know where it was we saw this or we were told this or something. Did someone say that because... IVF embryos are the best of the best. They tend to be quite big babies. Yeah, so this was um, a message that I got on Instagram. If that's you, I'm so sorry. I can't remember who who sent it to me, but this is your shout out. Thank you for spreading this information because yep. it's so cool. Um, but yeah, apparently uh, this message said that IVF babies, because when you implant an embryo, the embryologist and the consultant, they're choosing the top tier embryo of, the, of all that you harvest. Let's say, for example, in our case, um, we had three. They picked the best one of the those three and therefore kind of I mean it it makes sense you would assume that that baby will go on to be a like stronger healthier chunkier baby because it started off as being a stronger healthier chunkier embryo now another thing actually happened at that uh, consultant appointment which was rather invasive and a little bit painful though we don't use the, pay, the the p word we use we say uncomfortable instead don't we Trish? Yeah, it's discomfort not pain. Yeah, discomfort. Um I had my first ever stretch and sweep. So this was at 38 weeks. I'm not going to lie. I was bracing myself for disappointment. I was thinking she's going to have a look at my cervix and she's going to say, Miranda, can't even do a stretch and sweep because your cervix isn't yet in the right position. For those that don't know, uh, Tris, would you like to explain what a stretch and sweep is? Or do you want to try? Well, I was going to say, why don't we explain what happens to your cervix? Oh, yeah. Because people listening to this might be like, what's a cervix? I can't remember the difference between anterior and posterior. Can you? So anterior is front, posterior is back. Yeah, there you go. He's so good at this stuff, isn't he? Uh, well, you know, you know me. Um, <laughs> your cervix is starts off long, so it's a long thing. And what happens is during pregnancy and as you get closer to giving birth, it shortens and becomes softer. And also it starts off pointing backwards. And then as you're getting ready to birth your baby, it comes around and points forwards. So less towards your bum, more towards your wee-wee hole. Yeah, that's, well, yeah. <laughs> Out and down, yeah. right? So <laughs> when you have an examination or a stretch and sweep, they have to get to your cervix to have a look at it. And our first stretch and sweep that we had on a week ago today, yeah. when you're listening to this, um, yeah, Miranda's right. We were kind of thinking, oh my God, it's not even going to be there. It's just going to be chilling around the back. Oh, it's going to be it's going to be so crushing. She's going to put her fingers in. The consultant's going to be like, oh, I'm really sorry, guys. Like your cervix hasn't moved, so I can't do a stretch and sweep yet. yet, yet and we're going to go off so crestfallen. But lo and behold, <laughs> the opposite happened. She went in there <laughs> and she, she doesn't say an awful lot during the stretch and sweep. 
But she was able to do a stretch and sweep. So already we knew that there was semi-good news. Yeah, it was interesting actually because, you know, she put her fingers in. <laughs> imagine, imagine, just visualise this right now, guys. There's me lying on a bed. Tristan's up at the top with me helping me breathe because I'm not going to lie, it is very uncomfortable. I've got a consultant between my legs and I've got another like chaperone woman who's watching as well. So it's, it's a very stressful and, like I said, invasive situation to be a part of. Um, and the whole time Tristan's just looking at me, like nodding his head as I like count my breaths to get myself through the discomfort and the consultant yeah is silent she's not saying anything as far as I'm aware I'm just in quite a bit of pain and there's someone rummaging around my vag which hasn't happened for an awfully long time so I'm just I'm out of practice obviously when you start IVF you're so used to having like um internal scans and stuff with all kinds of probes and whatnot that's not happened for a very long time so yeah it kind of took my breath away a bit after say 30 40 seconds of this she goes okay and if you're comfortable and you're happy i will now do your stretch and sweep it wasn't 30 40 seconds i'd say it was probably like 20 seconds in oh my gosh you're joking it felt so much longer (laughs) the stretch and sweep i mean i think the whole process was just over a minute christ most of that was the stretch and sweep and then afterwards so let's talk through Uh, how do we approach this one? Uh, go on. So, a, a stretch and sweep is when a consultant or a midwife, please pray, like let it be a medically trained professional. Yeah, do, don't, do, don't, do not say to Barry your partner. Yeah, literally, Barry. Christ. No. So this consultant or whoever it is um, is going to try and put a finger or two fingers inside your cervix, and then is going to run their fingers around the inside of your cervix, gently stretching it, trying to separate. What's it? The, the cervix from the membranes, so basically I think so. the, the water sac. I'm so sorry. I'm sure we're butchering this. Google it instead if you want a more scientific explanation. But you're getting the general gist. So she puts her fingers inside. She separates the sort of sac of water from the lining of my whatever um and she twiddles them round and then she removes her fingers she was very careful to wrap up her gloves because i think she took with her quite a little bit of like (laughs) mucus like i said Mm. tmi um so she wanted to hide that from us bless her she didn't realize that she was dealing with trissa miranda who literally talk about pessaries and back sack and cracks all the time so we would have loved to see the mucus but she was doing her job she did a great job um and afterwards she said okay so you're already one to two centimeters dilated congratulations This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which 
is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Oh my god. I was what a like, dream. Yeah, I was buzzing. I was so excited. I was like, what? I'm only 38 weeks. This is madness. We're 38 weeks, so we're, we're two weeks off where we thought we would be giving birth. Yeah. And obviously, we're still here right now. We've not given birth. Yeah. But at the time, oh my God, we were like, we're having a baby today. <laughs> right. So I'm going to go into labour. My water's going to break as we walk back to the car park. It's all go. But nothing happened. So <laughs> bear that in mind, over the course of the next 48 hours, which is kind of when I think after a stretch and sweep, you would expect it to take effect. If so, it's going to. Yeah. And otherwise, outside of that, it's just kind of spontaneous labour that just kind of comes. I'm sure that having a stretch and sweep, even if you give birth five days later, it might have been that without the stretch and sweep, you've probably given birth six days later. I don't know the size behind it, but I'm sure it does something, judging by how invasive it is. From what I have read, I think a stretch and sweep can do something if your body is accommodating of it and ready for it. If you're rushing a stretch and sweep or if your body is just like, no way, or baby is just like, no way, then it, it doesn't matter. You can try and do as many as you want. It's not going to do anything. But if your body is primed and ready to go, it may just be the little thing that kind of triggers labour to start. So we go home and not a lot really happens. Mm. I was then working. So as you know, my Mondays are like heavy. So busy. I pretty much work all day and then I work on the podcast recording from like five o'clock until seven and then I edit it from like seven Not until the podcast, early hours. Not podcast, by the way, let's just clarify. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the other one I work on, the one that's several hundred times the size. Um, <laughs> Oi, all right, test you baby listeners are loyal, okay? They may be loyal, but there's not millions of them. No, okay. I wish there was. One day, true. Spread the word, guys, spread the word. Manifest. Anyway, uh, yeah, we got home and I, my evening is, is really heavy. So yeah, record from five to seven and then edit from like seven until the early hours. When I say the early hours, I mean like 4 a.m. Yeah. And so I'm then sat there during this edit as Miranda goes to bed being like, oh my God, Miranda's going to go into labor in the night. I'm going to be knackered because I've been awake since 7 a.m. this morning. It's going to be like 5 a.m. I'm not going to sleep for the next three days. Bah. Bah. Anyway, go to bed at 4 a.m. Still not in labor. Sleep. Wake up Tuesday. Not in labor. So... <sighs> You know, stand down. 
for now. Anticlimax, massive anticlimax. Now, what I will say is that I did, and I have still got a lot of like grumbling period pains, achy back pain, uh, upper thigh pain, which apparently is also can be a sign of labour starting. So I feel as though it's done something. I think it's kind of set my body off on the right track. I just don't think necessarily Squidge wants to come yet. I just, she's not ready. You did have the beginnings of a show. Yeah, I did actually. I had like a, again, here comes the TMI. I had some more of the mucus plug. Now what I really want is a massive like two pound coin plugs worth. But I don't think that's going to come because I feel like we lost a little bit of in in the first stretch and sweep, perhaps. Yeah. I'm just getting little dribs and drabs, aren't I? It has been happening a bit over the first... Like, it, it's, it's not like you've had one bit. It's, you know, little bits here and there. And some people have that with their waters as well. Yeah, the There is not one sudden gush. There is like a gentle trickle. And over a few... It's like a leaking tap, right? You know, what is it? Oh, there's a statistic about a dripping tap and how much water it wastes a year. Oh, really? Yeah, oh, it's an advert know. or something. So that's why I don't want dripping tap. But you know what I mean, right? Yeah. So that that's still, still coming out. There's still an amount of water passing from point A to point B, but it's just not in that sudden gush that everyone expects when they're... Like you see in the films where the woman's in the supermarket and she's like, oh my God, my water's just broke. And like a, a tsunami just gushes between her legs. Yeah, yeah exactly. Oh, there's a lot of things actually in cinema that I would say paint a an incorrect picture. A dramatic... I mean, it makes sense. Obviously, it needs to be dramatic. It's entertainment. But a very dramatic kind of portrayal of labour and childbirth. I mean, for goodness sake, we're a classic example of this. We've been on tenterhooks, literally on the edge of our seats for a week, thinking, oh my God, Squidge is going to come. And she just hasn't hasn't. come. But like, like even birth. Yeah. Birth positions. I challenge you to find me a film where a woman... A mainstream film where a woman doesn't give birth lying on her back in a bed. It's a good point. I'm can't. F- and <sighs> hypnobirthing has taught us so much about birth and positions and stuff. And that's like the worst one to be in. Obviously, if you have an epidural, you have being monitored or whatever. There are certain circumstances in which it might be a better option. But we were told UFO upright, forward, open. Yes, that is the 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 secret recipe for a perfect position to give birth in. On a bed, you're lying down, sitting upright. You're not leaning forward. No. And you may be open, but the first two are the bad. You're, yeah, you're not getting very far anyway. So it's. It, I find it really interesting that there's such a, a way of thinking about things in film and, and what film and TV and popular culture have done to our understandings of things that are uncertain to us. Like going into birth, the whole pushing thing. Obviously, you're supposed to push. And there's an element of pushing during labour. But... I had no idea that your body would just do it without pushing. The, the great analogy that we were taught um, is that if you imagine you need a poo, right? Unless you're severely constipated, in, in which case, like, you know, something's gone wrong. You don't actually need to, like, push a poo out. Like, your body will just do it. You get that urge, don't you? Sorry, Squidge is kicking me so much. I keep getting kicked in the ribs and I'm trying to stay composed. Hello, darling. Um, but yeah, you, you don't necessarily have to push. You might have to, like squeeze a little bit or kind of breathe a bit deeper but you you shouldn't be straining to get a poo out same thing when you give birth you don't need to have that purple face the veins popping out your forehead stressing like "Ah," everyone always does that face that isn't necessarily the most natural way to try and get a baby out so my birth humming exists. You can yes. hum your baby up because <laughs> in humming, you are doing that thing with your, it's coming from your diaphragm, it's coming from your stomach and you're pushing down, hum downwards. And everyone listening to this, 
there are ways in which you can try these things that prove how well they work. If you're going to the toilet, mm-hmm. you can go to the toilet and you can hum out poo. I wouldn't do this toilet, at work. Maybe not at work because it's quite obvious. Yeah. Maybe yeah. at home. If you're if you're like a midday poo person, then you're going to be at work. But say you're like maybe you're a fortunate eight a.m. poo person, in which case you're in the safety of your own bathroom. Depends on when you're commuting to work. If not, you might be on a train. Oh, that's true. Yeah, it's quite I like though on a train. I don't know if people yeah, hear you'd be all right. Yeah, you'd be fine on a train. That's fair enough. So you can't really hear me. You're drowned out by Miranda's train noises. Also, no train sounds like that anymore. No, no modern. Sorry, we just went back in time to the Victorian. The fucking Hogwarts Express over there. Um, (laughs) When did a train first? Because I think that Prince. Oh, I'm going to expose myself now. I think Prince Albert. He was. No, I don't think. I know he was really into. like technology and forward thinking within the Victorian era. Obviously, he was married to Queen Victoria. Tris is frowning at me. No, no, Sorry, no, no. I'm waiting, I'm turning... I'm wait... I don't know where this is going. I'm interested. Well, I was just wondering when did the first train exist? I'm trying to date it. Well, uh, steam trains, <laughs> probably. Yeah, I don't know. Well, the trains have been a thing for a while because you had like railways with like horse-drawn things and also mines, like mine carts. A mine. On... Sorry, it's quoting Lord of the Rings. Oh no, we've all gone on a tangent. It's happening. This is important. Forget Sorry. the fucking trains. <laughs> Let's go back a second. The other thing to do is is a uh, down breathing, which is another uh, a oh, method yeah. of of birthing. <sighs> <sighs> if you like breathe in and then push your breath down as you go, that one Miranda and I have both tried it. It does work. Yeah, it does. It helps. Not during the, well, yeah. it works during labour. We've obviously not been in labour yet. We've done it elsewhere. Yeah, there you go on the toilet. On the toilet. Anyway, I just actually can I just quickly shout out oh, yeah, our well, hypnobirthing instructor, absolutely Nicola. What a babe! So she has her own like hypnobirthing company called Birth Story Hypnobirthing. Um, if you want to find her, then I follow her on Instagram and you'll find her that way. Or you could just search her. But she's so lovely and she's so positive, and she's been an absolute ray of sunshine throughout all of our pregnancy. And we um, like had a course with her, um, and it spanned over. It's it's four different sessions. Um, we ended up kind of not rushing them, but them all into the very end of the last trimester because we left it a little bit late but she actually does like reassurance first trimester um sort of courses that you can do as well so she can span across the whole of your pregnancy if you so wish uh, i think you can also do like refresher courses so you could uh, train with her in the second trimester and then come back to it in the third she's just so calmly enthusiastic which i think is the perfect balance it's, it's that voice of wisdom but also support she make, makes me feel like a superwoman she makes tris feel like he's so in control um and yet we've just found her absolutely incredible so thank you nicola in case you're listening to this um and she's the one that's taught us a lot of these different kinds of things i've learned so much about oxytocin needing to be up adrenaline needing to be down in order to have successful contractions and all of this kind of stuff so just a little sh- shout out to nicola because she's a babe do you reckon we should get her on? <gasps> oh, that'd be so good. And we could do like a little taste of hitting a birthing session. Oh, great shout. And do it on the pod, and then we then that that's good for her because it means she might pick up some more custom. Oh yeah, although she's doing very well. She is. She did. She keeps it. doing celebrity. Well, we won't say who it is, but she's she's like trained some celebrities, guys. I know. How crazy? Not us. Yeah, we're, <laughs> we're the least famous of all of our clients. <laughs> After our Monday stretch and sweep appointment, obviously we were we weren't disappointed, but we were so geared up for going into labour on Monday that when it didn't happen, we were like, okay, fine, whatever. Bit you know frustrated, but it's what it is. Let's get on with life. And I think having that actually, and having on Monday night the mucus stuff that happened, and that whole time gave me that rush of like adrenaline and excitement, and then also nerves and terror that has since subsided and now the thought of whenever you get the mucus stuff or if you have tightenings or anything like that 
any of that now just doesn't faze me because I feel like I've had that spike of like ah you got it out of your system yeah that's so good though that's helpful because Nicola also said to us she said now it's going to go against everything you want to do but let's say your waters do suddenly break please do not like start running around and doing an an overexcited happy dance which is so what me and Tris would do but she's like the problem is with doing that I mean she's like she'd rather you do that than you were like anxious but the problem is that you'll get your adrenaline going because you'll be like oh my god I'm so hyper and excited and baby's coming in there I can't believe it so you need to remain calm and mellow so that does not come naturally to either of us but we're working on it well she also said if you if anything happens in the night if you start going into labor in the night to not wake me up and stay like trying to sleep yourself because it's important you rest i actually will i will do that i'm quite good at that you wouldn't tell me no, because to be you, fair, I'd, I'd be too excited. You would not go back to sleep. I probably would go back to sleep faster than you. Yeah, would I can wake sleep. up and need to go for a wee, and I'm so excited that I go to sleep. <laughs> like, you know, I'm awake and it's four a.m. Like it's it's just it's not healthy. Yeah. So that that week continued: Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Nothing As happened. As they normally do. Yeah. Well, that is how <laughs> weeks tend to work. Um, and then on Friday morning, we had a midwife appointment, which I foolishly I was like, "This is going to be our last midwife appointment." Um, and we went and saw our lovely bereavement midwife, Sophie, and she was in a great mood. We were in a great mood. Everything was just exciting. And we had our second stretch and sweep. Now, this one, we already knew we were on the road to labour, right? So if you imagine, we've not, we're not in the house. We've got the keys. We're in the car and we're pulling out the driveway. Yeah. Okay. We were concerned, right, that perhaps we were still in the driveway. Or maybe we'd like forgotten our coat and we'd gone back into the house and we'd stepped backwards. Regressed. And I don't know if that's scientifically possible, but without being educated on it, (laughs) you worry, okay? (laughs) So we were terrified that like, well, terrified is the wrong word, but like there was a real concern there that like, oh, we've not gone into labour. I was like, so Sophie's going to do a stretch and sleep. Oh, sorry, guys, I can no longer get my fingers in your cervix. It's closed back up. We're like, oh. Well. (laughs) As soon as Sophie's fingers entered Miranda's (laughs) vagina, she was like, oh. Oh, wow. And and obviously in the moment we're like, what? What's going on? What's in there? What have you found? And she was very pleased because apparently she found your cervix straight away. Yeah. And by the sounds of it, she doesn't do that often. Apparently, you know, you get in there and you have to try and reach around to get it. Apparently your cervix is like there. It's so ready to go. Ready to go. She managed to get two fingers in to do her stretch <laughs> and sweep. And she was like, I felt her head. She's like, I can touch, I can touch Squidge's head. And what? I was like, what? What the hell? What the fuck? That's how low Squidge is like down in my pelvis. How much? She could feel like the membranes and the sac yeah. and everything. And she was like, if I wanted to right now, which I'm not going to because you don't need me to, but I could break your waters. Isn't this madness, guys? That blew my little mind. She was so funny. I was relaying this story to my sister after it happened. And uh, imagine my sister was like, oh my God, does she have hair? Which, to be fair, was the exact same thought that I had when Sophie said that she touched Squidge's head. Obviously, we both forgot that there is indeed a sack of water in the way. So you can feel the head, but you can't tell if there's hair. But I love how that's where Imogen's mind like rushed to. Oh, is she, she going to be born with hair? Or is she going to be a bald baby? Oh, bless. <laughs> um, it's, it's, I think, again... It, you don't understand like if you've not been through it before if you don't know what you're thinking of you've, you know we're lucky in that we are going to the hospital and we're having these conversations with people yeah. and we're learning stuff if you've never had someone close to you have a baby and aren't fresh in the mind with understanding of how labor works and what the anatomy of a pregnant woman is mm-hmm. when you're know, the sack and everything 
Of course you're going to think that. I mean, I thought it, and I'm the pregnant yeah, one. Yeah, you're the you, you're it's fucking bodily. Bloody mate. body, I know. Flipping heck. So it was. I understand where she's coming from with it, but it was quite funny at the time. It, it's like, yeah. no, we don't know if she has hair or not. <laughs> so Sophie obviously was enthusiastic and absolutely buzzing. Um, and she was saying things to us like, right, well, if you go into labour on Saturday, that's good because I'm in. Just make sure it's the evening. Sunday, I'm not here, so don't do blah, 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 blah. So we were like, oh my God, Squidge is coming in the next 48 hours. Like, absolutely, it is going to happen. Like, this woman looks at services and vaginas for a living. Yeah. And she thinks we're going <laughs> into labour soon. Like, she knows her stuff. Yeah. So which she obviously does. Obviously. However... It's now Sunday night and we're still here. God damn it, Squid. Do you know what? I personally feel like my body is ready to go. I think me as an entity, Miranda Burns is like, yeah, we're good. I think it's Squid. I think Squid is like, nah, I'm just going to stay a little while longer. I'm a bit cosy here. I reckon because the weather's turned a bit, hasn't it? And it's been snowing around the UK. That's why I'm wearing slippers. I'm literally, have you noticed I've been religiously wearing my slippers? I, I have. I'm trying to keep my feet warm because I want my. I want to trick my mind into being like, even though it's cold outside, Miranda, you feel safe and therefore you can labour. But maybe that's why Squid isn't coming because she's like, she's seen the forecast. She's seen we're expecting snow and that it's bloody cold outside. She's like, I don't want to be born into that. I'm nice and toasty in I'm here. I'm warm. I know. She's What's also- body temperature? 37.5. Degrees to the average body temperature. Something like that. That's how hot she is right now in there. Tropical. Oh, oh, it's like a nice holiday. She's just enjoying a tropical holiday, isn't she? <laughs> Don't blame her. She's on the Costa del Sol. Pina colada on the go, <laughs> little inflatable flamingo. She's not leaving. Can't blame her. Um, anyway, so we've, we've been trying other things as well as the stretch and sweeps. I think we mentioned a couple of podcasts ago that we've been eating dates. Um, I've been trying as well raspberry leaf tea. Say of that what you will. I know it's a little bit of a contentious sort of subject people are like no that doesn't work and other people are like yes it does work but i figured it's not going to do any harm um i've been curb walking which is where you walk with one foot on the road and one foot on the pavement or the sidewalk if you're american and the the kind of jolting of going back and forth like that as you take each step is supposed to engage your pelvis and kind of open it up what else have we done Oh, we've eaten so much spicy food. Yeah. We've had a spicy waggers. We've had I've made a spicy chili. We've had a curry takeaway. Like all the spicy food. No one tell me to eat spice again because all it does is just give you a spicy bum, which nobody needs. Um, and I've tried things like bubble baths to get myself feeling zen in case it boosts my oxytocin. It's not happening. She is not budging now. You might ask, oh, I've just thought of one more, actually. We've also done some colostrum harvesting, which is supposed to get your body going. That was an experience. Oh my god! I've I was not mentally ready for that. I've done a, I've done a lot of things in my time, but I was not ready to milk my own breast. <laughs> it was really hard. Tris was so cute though. So basically, if you don't know what colostrum is, it's the um kind of the first layer of milk that you're ever gonna get out of your boobs when you have a baby. It doesn't really look like milk. It's kind of like a golden yellow color. It's I think it's got loads of good stuff in it. It's it's like it's a good thing to start harvesting it. I think you have to reach thirty seven weeks first because, like we said, it can trigger labor. Um, but the, you have to like milk. Oh, you have to milk your boob like you would milk a cow. Like you have to do a special motion. Um, it's like you have to get. You have to almost like get the boob going already. I'm I'm doing it to, to myself right yeah, now. Yeah, you have to like, massage your boob. Enjoy this. You can hear it. You can hear it. Oh, there gosh. you go. That's me just harvesting my colostrum. Um, <laughs> you have to like get the whole boob going, and then if you imagine uh, making a C, so make a C with your thumb and index finger, and then cup that around your boob not on the nipple just just on the outside of it and then you're just going to squeeze and imagine you're going in like a squeeze on squeeze off, off squeeze on, on squeeze off and like you that basically pump yourself and you you go and for the first time you probably got what 0.25 mil out and i did it for an 
hour. And can I just say, I felt so uncomfortable. Now, the thing is, right, I know that breastfeeding is natural and I'm def- I'm going to try it. I want to try and do it. Um, but it just, it was such a strange experience to milk myself. I felt very unsettled. Trish was adorable. He took his top off and like sat with me so I could feel, <laughs> didn't feel as alone in the experience. Because <laughs> I was just sat on a sofa with my boobs out. Like my boobs have got so big now. They sit on top of my bum, <laughs> squeezing my breast, just like looking at Trish with terror in my eyes. Like I'm not enjoying this. <laughs> so you got your boob out as well. Well, we say boob. And I put talk. Finding Dory on. Yeah, we, I watched Finding Dory. Do you know what? Finding Dory is what worked because it distracted me and it made me happy. And then I managed to get some. So yeah, I got a little bit. I've done it two more times since then, actually. So we've got three loads of colostrum currently in our freezer. Quite proud of that. And this, the second and third time, it came a lot quicker. You do it again tonight? So, yeah, I'm, gonna do, I'm doing it every night now. Exactly. Harvest that good stuff. So it's really good because obviously we'll put it in the freezer and then take it to hospital with us. Mm-hmm. And Squidge could have it. Yeah. And also, it's just good to to do it because it releases a load of oxytocin and it can induce labour. So, yeah, I mean, obviously it's not done any of those things yet. But, you know, it's positive that we are progressing. Yeah. It's you know, it's positive that we can even get any out. I, yeah. I was bugging oh, yeah. about that. Yeah. And also it helps when your milk comes in as well. Exactly. Now, you might be wondering, guys, you're at 38 weeks. Why on earth are you trying to get her going already? Because most people, to be fair, they do these kinds of things like eat the spicy food and go on the long walks when they're at 40 weeks, when they're past their due date and they're like, come on, little one, it's time to evacuate. We're doing it slightly prematurely. There is a reason behind this. It is because we're trying to reduce our chances of having an induction or a cesarean by going into labour as soon as possible. Now, here comes a hefty load of explanation as to why that is. Um, Now, all this information that I'm about to pass on to you, it's been explained to me by different doctors and midwives and like our hypnobirthing teacher and other mums as well, actually, to be fair. Um, And I obviously am not, neither is Tris, an expert whatsoever in birth. And it's not predictable, is it? Like... You don't know what's going to happen. No, you no idea. Yeah, no idea. So we're just trying to make the best decision that we can with the info that we have. And I'm kind of imparting it onto you because I've had a lot of questions on Instagram about why, A, we're doing things to try and start labour slightly earlier and B, why we don't want to have an induction and we don't want to have a caesarean. I'm also going to say um, that there is... A lot of difference between people's bodies and what is the case for one person is not going to be the same for us. Um, and I don't want to worry anybody with this. I don't think I will worry anybody, but I just want to put that disclaimer out there that this is just our personal journey. Uh, so yeah, take everything I'm about to say with a little pinch of salt. Why do you not want to get to your due date, you might be asking? Well, our consultant has said to us that there is some evidence to suggest that placentas for IVF babies become less efficient as you get more pregnant and therefore they generally don't really like IVF mamas to go over their due date. We're not entirely sure how accurate this data is um, and I also think that the whole efficiency thing it might not necessarily be the the greatest of drops. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure everyone's placenta kind of drops off in efficiency a little bit towards the end of pregnancy because it's not growing the baby anymore. The baby is like fully grown. And also, it's the same thing with IVF as it is with everything with IVF, be it during pregnancy or earlier. If you're having IVF, there is a medical element yeah. to the reason or something about you or your partner or whatever it is, the reason that you're having IVF. So the sample that they are taking from isn't necessarily a reflection on you, the individual. So you have these problems like endo, like your AMH, I have my sperm issues, that's fine. 
some people, a lot of people having IVF will be slightly older. Yeah. And that's also a consideration. We don't know the people that they use to kind of collect that data. We don't know what pool of people they used. And we may not fit in that pool at all. So we may be on the kind of higher end of the spectrum of like efficiency compared to someone who's on like the lower end. You have no idea. So yeah, all of this data, you, you have to take it with a pinch of salt. And that's why you have to look at a meta study. So a meta study is where they take a huge sample so there are let's say there's a hundred studies okay a hundred studies might have looked at a thousand ten thousand people each a meta study will take every single one of those people remove the ones that kind of look at other variables so there might be a study that looked at uh, i don't know gestational gestational age or twin pregnancies or something yeah, yeah, yeah so yeah. remove those ones and just look at a very specific area of lots of different studies around the world and that gives you a better answer now, we've not been able to find one of those for this, but no. there are meta studies around for other things. And generally, they're a better way of understanding information and interpreting results. Gosh, I feel like I'm back with my GCSE statistics exam. I did get a B. I will put that out there. Um, but yeah, because of this information, uh, we have been offered an induction at 39 weeks. So right now, <laughs> we could in theory be getting induced. We're not. We turned it down. Um, we were also offered a cesarean for whenever they could fit me in. This, both of these, the induction and the cesarean, was kind of reaffirmed by the fact that squidge is measuring on the 95th percentile um which we've already mentioned eight pounds five so she she she's not a small baby and they they understand that some mums like maybe they don't want to get to 40 weeks because they're worried that the baby's going to get too big and they're not going to be able to push them out yada 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 etc etc um so that's kind of why we've been offered an induction and a cesarean i feel like that sort of covers it we're now going to delve into why we don't want either of those two things um and i just want to say as well because i don't want to be looking back on this in like three weeks time when squidge is here and someone say to me miranda you had a cesarean when you said that you wouldn't or miranda you had an induction and you said on the podcast that you wouldn't um childbirth is wild Uh, we do not know what's going to happen this is just what we would like to happen and i'm not anticipating that it's going to happen 100 percent either way like we have no idea nobody nobody knows um we're trying to stay open we're trying to stay positive and at the end of the day we're always just going to do what's best for me and for squidge let's start with induction so the reason why we don't want to have an induction is because i slipped a disc in my back a few years ago uh and since being pregnant that injury has gotten so much worse like i get sciatica all down my leg um tris has to pull me out of sofas and not in everything the, yeah everything not in the typical you know like pregnant ladies like they can't get out of a sofa or whatever and if you get pulled out mine's different mine's just like ah, i'm in so much pain it's not nice like I, like if i'm lying on my side i can't get myself back up because it really hurts um so we want to avoid an epidural because if I'm numb from the waist down as you can imagine I won't be able to feel that slip disc and I could end up injuring it more I could get put into a position or I could have myself in a position which puts pressure on the disc which I can't feel which otherwise I would be screaming at um, and typically an induction increases your chances of having an epidural so we have been told uh, because an induction birth can be just like a slightly more intense sort of longer labor so if an induction means that you're slightly more likely to have an epidural then we want to ideally avoid an induction because we don't want to have an epidural so there we are now I might scream and ask for an epidural at some point and say sod my back but right now, if we can sort of plan to avoid one and try to avoid one, then we will. It's also worth mentioning that when we had Amberly last year, um, which if you don't know, is our, our baby that we lost uh, about 18 weeks last year. Um, we had an induction during that. So the process that they used to, to birth 
Amberley was an induction and it's the same thing. Obviously, it's minus certain parts and it's different in other ways and, and the experience would obviously be completely different. So not to scare anyone, but for us at least, that whole pessary thing that you go through having someone put a pessary in and then you wait and it goes from zero to a hundred it's the same thing for us and i think that you know anyone listening to this will understand that that is obviously playing on our minds as well so that's a real concern we have and another reason for us to want to avoid an induction yeah now the reason why we want to avoid a cesarean and i just want to say women people any pregnant individual that has a c-section is an absolute legend because oh my god having had three abdominal surgeries in my time i know how hard they are and a c-section just looks like the most invasive intense one of them all so fair bloody play to you but having had those experiences i now know that it's not something i particularly want to like rush into more importantly though we have to consider the fact that there is some evidence to suggest that um, um, C-sections can reduce the chances of future successful IVF implantations just because it's altering the womb. It's like it's major surgery. Your womb gets cut open. Um, and we have two little M babies on ice uh, who maybe hopefully cross everything, be one of like, you know, or two if we're very lucky of Squidge's siblings in the future. Um, so even though that, that decrease in chance of implantation is tiny, um, it's just something that we are very much aware of. So again, it's just just about is it called risk mitigation yeah yeah that that's what we're doing with all of these with the induction and the cesarean we're just kind of trying to the best that we can limit the risk where possible So there you have it, okay? I hope that has kind of brought you up to speed on everything that has happened. Like I said, so much has happened and so little has happened simultaneously. It doesn't quite make sense. It's a bit of a paradox, but here we are. Um, And obviously with the information that we've given to you, if you're an IVF mama or anything like that and you're worried, please talk to your own doctor. Do not take what we have said as gospel. We've spoken to our doctors and that's what they've said about our specific case, but everybody is different. And to be honest, anybody who has birthed a baby in any way is an absolute superhero and a trooper and I'm in awe of you um but I hope it answers some of the questions it'll be really interesting to listen back to this podcast when we know how Squidge does eventually make her arrival because it may be that we have an induction that ends in the cesarean and we tick both boxes well who knows we'll all find out eventually um but yeah it will be fun listening back let's just quickly before we go look ahead towards this week because (gasps) we're now going into we're passing the 39 week point and going into our 40th week. Madness. Yeah. <laughs> so today is Sunday. Yeah. You're listening to this right now on the week that we are then following or our time in the future. But if it's the week beginning, if the 29th if, if, if of November. Yeah, a live test you baby listener. Yeah, you might not be. You if might you be are. dead. I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, <laughs> Anyway, you might be dead. Shout out all, all our paranormal <laughs> listeners out there. There's a lot of them. Um, so yeah, week within the 29th of November. That's if you begin your weeks on a Monday, which most people probably should do. Anyway, what the is, point is, is the week on? beginning, Monday the 29th of November, on that Monday, we're back in to see our consultant again. Oh God, yeah, we're seeing, we're seeing her again. To chat through everything and, and our see midwife's how we're going. In. And our midwife is there as well. So we'll speak to both of them and kind of just get a gauge of where they think we are. Last week, they were very much of the kind of belief okay let's give it a week and see where we're at it might be that tomorrow they are more preferable on an induction it might be tomorrow they're like you know what you've done okay for the last week skid is measuring okay her heartbeat's fine yeah let's keep going um whether we'll make it to 40 weeks who bloody knows mm. fingers crossed we go into labor naturally and i'm hoping 
that tomorrow we'll have another stretch and sweep. And the first one obviously helps you progress. The second one, I'm sure, has done something. Yeah. So hopefully a third one will really get things going. Oh, fingers crossed. So fingers crossed. And if not, I'm sure we booked in for another appointment next week and we can discuss it further then. But that's where we're at right now. That's what's happening this week. And keep everything you've got crossed that we managed to go into labour naturally and that Squid arrives on time and happy. Now, completely out of character for us, we're actually recording our 40-week episode early for those exact reasons because we don't know what's going to happen with Squidge. We don't know whether she'll be here yet and we want to make sure that an episode still goes out. So for that episode, we are doing a gift guide for fertility warriors, IVF um, couples, people with endometriosis, people trying to conceive, all all of that kind of stuff. So it should be actually a, a really nice episode. But if you are listening to that in the future and you're like, oh, well, I love the gift guide and it's a great idea and I'm enjoying the episode, but I really want to know if Squidge is here, um, then maybe come over to us on Instagram and we'll have updates there. I think that that's it for today. It's a long one, isn't it? It's bloody a long hell. bloody hell. Have fun editing that. I know. <laughs> if you like what you heard, the best way to support us is to leave a review, share with your friends, family, parents, guardians, deceased relatives who might like the podcast as well. <laughs> and don't forget to hit subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You might be dead. You might be dead. You might be dead. <laughs> and yeah, like I said, uh, we do do, well, I do like daily updates on my Instagram stories at the moment anyway. So Miranda.Burns. Tristan. I do less. Yeah, you but do I'm, very I'm funnier. Few. So uh, <gasps> You're such a cheeky git. You're so annoying I'm, I, I'm so don't follow me on instagram unless you really want to i do rugby video things which is quite fun oh for goodness sake stop right. yes we all know that you produce a very successful podcast that's bigger it's not than the podcast two, i'm talking about it's the no context videos okay take that back take that back take that back now go on back. take it back in front of everyone what am i taking back your mean comment you jump which the gun. comment yes we all know you produce <laughs> i take it back just say it I take it back. Say you're sorry. I'm sorry. Good. Three, two, one. Sorry. sorry. Love you. <laughs> Bye. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.